welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. This next hour, we study the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh. And as John tells us, he gives us grace upon grace, and it keeps repeating itself. And we receive this grace today as we conclude the first chapter of Philippians. Philippians is a book. Philippians is a book of rejoicing, rejoicing not in ourselves or our circumstance, but in the Lord. As Paul says, the gospel has advanced despite him being in jail and people preaching for not always the best of reasons, but yet the gospel is going out and people are believing. Today he speaks about the joy of knowing that whatever happens, we are in Christ. Listen up, hear the word of God, for the gifts are ready for you. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A special thanks to Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we have with us Pastor John Lekomsky, who is the co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO. Pastor Lekomsky, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. It's good to talk to you again, Brady. So what's happening for you this week? Give us a jolly story, if you could. Well, I tell you what, Brady, I I don't want to rub it in, but we're supposed to get to (laughs) 70 degrees today. (laughs) And Uh something tells me you're not going to be anywhere near that, are you? (laughs) Well, I I hate to disappoint you, but today the high is supposed to be 68 degrees. Oh, you're kidding. Here in Minnesota. good for you. It's a record. I'm wearing shorts. Uh, My kids wore shorts. (laughs) I believe they did. And so, yeah, today, but I mean, it's going to go down to 35 by early next week. But right now we are literally basking in the sun. So, yeah, that's the jolly story that I have. You're you're not affected by the big. I hear there's a winter snow warning for Duluth, but that's going to be north of you guys. That won't absolutely affect. That's about two and a half hours north of us. Yep. About two and a half hours north. So, I mean, that's like a world of difference because it literally is. If you're from southern Minnesota, if um, like my dad grew up in southern Minnesota, that you have about a two to three week difference of uh, how long the seasons last. And you have about if you go to Duluth or all the way up to International Falls, you have about another two to three weeks difference of when the snow um, comes earlier and when it leaves later. So it's a fascinating place to be. My, my wife used to live in Duluth, and she said there was only one month that you wouldn't possibly get snow, and that was July. <laughs> so, I mean, not that they would get snow every June, but you could. That's the scary you thing. You could. Yeah. You so could. You're right. It is yeah. a different world just two hours is. north of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. All right. Well, today we're looking at Philippians, and I want to do something a little bit different this morning. Is I want to do this. Is I want to read what we're going to be looking into today, and then um, then we'll pray, and then we'll go from there. How's that sound? All right. That that sounds good. That sounds all right. So let's begin. Reminder to our listeners, we're in Philippians chapter 1, verses 18b. I want to start just with those few words before verse 19. 18b all the way through 30. So Philippians chapter 1, 18b through 30. So we hear the words. Paul says, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For if I live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, 
Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not be frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Pastor, can you begin us in prayer? Well, Lord, we, we uh, thank you uh, that you inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words for us. And so give us open hearts and open ears uh, to hear these words and see how they apply to our day-to-day lives. And through these words, may we receive comfort and faith and a desire to love others as you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions concerning our text today, drop us an email. KFUO at KFUO.org. KFUO at KFUO.org. Well, as we heard the word already... Uh, I'm sorry, do you want to say something? Well, yeah, yeah. So before we begin going through this verse by verse, which yeah. is what I'm assuming your, your plan is, sure. I, I would like to just give an example uh, of why pastors are important, uh, why this show is important, and why uh-huh. if you are a pastor, if you have any kind of uh, role of spiritual teaching, you really, really need to get into the Scripture and study it. Because um, there's this one word I want to share with before we even begin. It's in that verse where he says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ. Can we talk about that mm. just for a moment? Go for it. Um, well, and, and so here's the thing. I, I This is entirely the gift of, of the Holy Spirit. I just happened to stumble across this. Uh, it wasn't actually part of my prep, but there was something I wanted to double check. And I came up and I just happened to look at this word and, and discovered a remarkable thing. And uh, that there, there are two Greek words for desire. Uh, one is a good word and one is a bad word. Um, <laughs> and, and in the Greek mind, the difference would have to do with your reason. So, so if you desire something, if you want something, but your reason still controls your actions and your thoughts uh, towards that item, well, that, that's a good thing, right? It's a good that your desires don't uh, rule your life, but your reason rules your life. But then they have this other word for the bad desire, where, where reason is put aside, and it's just, uh, you, you know, whatever you want, I'm going to do. I don't care whether it's logical or, or right or reasonable or whatever. Uh, mm. And I suppose we would translate that word lust, okay? That's mm. probably mm-hmm. the, the closest English we would have would be lust. Can you guess what word Paul uses when he says, my desire uh, is to depart and be with Christ? My guess is the better one. Yeah, but it isn't. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, That's no. what caught me off guard. I thought, what? And, and I'm not <laughs> suggesting that the English should have translated, my lust is to depart and be with Christ. 
uh, because, see, in our oversex society, lust has taken on all kinds of just dirty, nasty connotations that I don't know that that was necessarily true in the Greek. Although, if, if you're reading through the list of sins in the Bible, it, it's the word that's used there that's translated lust. Right. But, but I think the point Paul is making is that if you think faith has anything to do with your reason— and your logic, and it's a matter of God laying out evidence in front of you, and then you say, oh, yeah, yeah, I see, that makes sense. He says, you don't understand faith. Faith is more like that 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 woman you saw years ago. What's your wife's name, Brady? Uh, my wife is Amy, yes. Amy. And I mm -hmm. would be willing to bet you there was a time in your life when you saw Amy and you said, that's the one I want, right? Was there? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and, and that's what Paul is saying. That's what faith is like. It's just, and it has to have to do with reason, and it's not necessarily logic. In fact, it may run against logic, but this is the thing that I desire, that I want. And at first, that, I, I, that puzzled me. Then I realized, though, it makes perfect sense, because that's how God feels about us. God has a desire for us, and it has nothing to do with logic or reason. In fact, Paul confesses he's the worst of sinners. Who would want a Paul <laughs> to right, be one right. of his own, right? right and then exactly. I was thinking the Old Testament thing, Brady. Remember that, that really strange word that God uses about himself when it says, I, the Lord your God, am a... Jealous. Jealous. Yeah. And again, that seems... But that's exactly what Paul is trying to... You need to understand that's how God loves you. He is a jealous God. In Deuteronomy, let's see if I can find this passage. In Deuteronomy 7, 7, it says, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his, and the English has his love on you, but it actually is the Hebrew word there again for desire. So everybody understand that. God desires you, and he desires you even though it makes no sense, even though there's no reason why he should desire you, but he does. And I think that frames everything that Paul's going to tell us today about joy and about suffering and about love for one another. So anyway, I just wanted to say, because that was just totally out of nowhere. I wasn't planning on that, and I just, like 9 o'clock last night, I thought, oh, i got to double-check this, and, and I stumbled across this word for, for desire. And, and that's helpful, because we do... Like, for example, when you do desire um, uh, uh, someone of the opposite sex and it's it's a desire of I want to date or court or something like that, we do tend to look at that in a, a dirty way. Like there's, there's something wrong with you. You shouldn't be desiring or but then you're like, wait, that doesn't make sense because, you know, this could be my future spouse. And in my case, it is my my spouse. And so the desire doesn't always have to be this dirty, awful thing is it is a desire that you're with this person and it is God's desire and you can make a godly look at this, obviously, um, as we look through faith and look through Jesus and so forth. So that, that's very helpful for us to think about as we think about courting and dating and, and ultimately well, how God looks upon us, which is a, a holy way, not a, a dirty and awful way. That's very helpful as we look so, at these words. So, so, so for the Greeks, the difference between what was good and bad had to do with your reason. Uh, but I think mm. for us as Christians, the difference between lust and, and, a, and a, a good desire is what our intent is for the other person. Uh, and if our intent is just selfishness, if we just want what's good for us, well, that's, that's lust. But if our intent, mm. as it is with God, for us, for what's better for them, what's good for them, and what will be a blessing to them, well, then that's, that's a proper desire. I love it. I love it. Okay, so as we look at Philippians, you know, we start off with Pastor Schmitke yesterday and uh, had a great start with that. But any other background or contextual things to help us out this morning, Pastor? 
Well, well, I, I mean, the chief thing is, is as you pointed out, you, you've divided up the verse because you want the word rejoice, didn't you, Brady? Mm. Admit it. Absolutely. It. That's why you wanted to. Yes, you wanted the word <laughs> rejoice. Uh, and, and contextually, why? Oh, Paul, are you crazy? <laughs> because there's no. Why should you be? You're you're in prison. Uh, um, you you have people from within the church opposing you. I mean, it's bad enough that people outside, but there are people in the church that are opposing you. And and don't you kind of get the sense in the exhortation? he's given to the Philippians that he's kind of concerned that maybe they're getting a little complacent too, that they're not really mm-hmm. living their lives the way they should. So why in the world would he have a reason to rejoice? That's that's the puzzle. It, it, it is a crazy part of this because you, you look at it, how could he be rejoicing? Because you go to Acts chapter 16 is where we hear when Paul goes into Philippi and that's where he, he gets beaten by rods and then they throw him in jail. <laughs> And so it's just like this awful, uh, awful reality that he has. And he goes in and he's speaking about rejoicing and he's in jail. Um, it's very clear he's in Rome at this time and he's writing a thank you card. I mean, just think about that. You go to jail and you're writing a thank you card literally to a church. Any thoughts on those things? Well, Brady, man, I mean, you hit it right on the head, and, and thank you for giving us that that historical detail. No, there is no reason why he should be rejoicing. But but you know what? I, you've just answered the question, or at least part of it, because mm-hmm. these people in Philippi have been praying for him. They've been supporting yeah. him. That's yeah. why he's sending the thank you. Um, Did Brady? we lose you? Are, no, you? Yeah, scared me for What's a second. What's going on here? Yeah, no, I don't think I've ever here. had a quiet know. moment when Jolly John Lukomsky is on here. That was like two seconds of long quiet time. Whoa, oh, my. Oh, I got scared there for a moment. Okay, all right. Let's, uh, let's dig into the text a little more. We can right. talk more background as we go. Let us read um, verses 18b through 20. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, body, whether by life or by death. I wanted to get to the next part next, but I wanted to make sure we had those verses correct. He begins with rejoicing. Why is he always rejoicing in this book? Well, and and here's the neat thing. Again, again, this is why you, 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 you need a pastor. You need somebody who can look in it and dig into it because he actually uses the word rejoice twice. Uh, it's used in the, the, first part of verse 18 and, and there it's in what we call the the, the present uh, which we mm. don't have anything like that in English it, it, but but it simply means it's, it's ongoing so it's not like he rejoiced once and it's over and done with no he and, and, as he's writing the letter he is rejoicing and yet this second rejoice the one that you had to pull in where he says and yes I will <laughs> rejoice Brady that that's in the passive so, so that's yeah, something okay. that's being okay. done to Paul. So, mm-hmm. so it's not mm-hmm. so much I'm doing this or I will be doing this, but but I know in the future someone is going to be rejoicing me. Uh, and I don't know if he's talking about what the people of Philippi will be doing, that they'll be rejoicing over over him. Or I like to think that it's probably God who is going to be providing this joy for Paul in the future. But it's really important to know that, that that's in the passive. This joy of the future is something that will be done to Paul. It's not necessarily something that Paul will be doing on his own. That That is fascinating, especially when he connects it to prayer. 
that he's, how do you say this? I, I'm not even sure how to say this because when I started in ministry, there was a wonderful couple that the, the wife was diagnosed with cancer. And I'll never forget this because I, I didn't know how to respond to it is um, he would always say, I know people are praying for me. I can feel it. Ah. And of course, your theological tendencies get up and go, oh, this is not about feelings. It's about faith. This, you know, and of course, I'm not saying it out loud, but that's all the seminary stuff you're learning. And here it almost feels like Paul is saying that same thing. I rejoice because I know through your prayers, God is at work. And I know that that's, that's what that man was saying. Um, and and that, that reminds me of what Paul is saying here as well, is I know you are praying and God is at work through that. Any thoughts? Well, and, and, and so you're right. So we, we've been trained, as Lutherans at least, that we don't like feeling. <laughs> okay. and, 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 and there's a point to that. Because if the joy we're talking about from Paul was a thing of feeling, he wouldn't be saying what he's saying here. Right? There, there's no right. way a guy can be beating you with rods and you're saying, oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> Give me another. And if you are, then there's something wrong about you. Right, okay? right, right. But but right. so so I mean that's that's good to know. It's not a feeling thing, but but it it, it, it the feelings are still part of it though. How can mm -hmm. it not be? Mm -hmm. Like I said, right. when when you learn how much God desires and loves you, how can that not evoke a feeling with you? And and you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, that that's the thing. When when you see people in need, uh, oh my 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 uh, 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 father-in-law now he's 94 and he's got friends that are dying. And he said to me, what do I say to them? And, and, and I said, Jerry, there's probably nothing you can say to them. If you get mm -hmm. an opportunity to witness to Jesus and forgiveness and life everlasting. But, but the chief thing is, is to pray for them and to be there for them. See, mm. that's the thing. To, it, 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 it's not prayer as some kind of ritual that you're performing, you know, like, like, like uh, um, oh, uh, like a shaman might do. Oh, I'm going to say mm -hmm. a prayer and this will evoke magical things. No, no. Don't you get the sense here, Brady, that the prayer he's talking about is the knowledge that these people in Philippi are really, really concerned for him. And he knows that they're concerned for him. And he's assuring them, look, this is all in the Spirit's hands. So if I got your prayers and I got the Holy Spirit who's in control of everything, then, then it'll be all right. Then I can face everything with courage, as he says here in this text. And I know that whatever well, happens, life or death, it, it's going to be okay. God will be honored in this. Absolutely. And he says, eager anticipation and hope that I will not at all be put all ashamed. I mean, it reminds me of Romans 1. You know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And and he, he's very much so, he, the, he sees the advance of the gospel through what he's gone through. Obviously, he went into jail in Philippi and the jailer was converted. I mean, he, he knows that no matter what happens, that the gospel is going to go out. It's being advanced. Even people who, <laughs> even, says, even those who are preaching with maybe not the best of intentions, that Christ is being proclaimed and people are, um, people are coming to faith and he rejoices. And that's why he's talking this way is because he knows it works. <laughs> it doesn't work you want, the way you want it or the way that he would rejoice while he's getting beaten by rods. But he, and, and I think you see this in our own, in our own lives, not the way we want it is that like, for example, when after COVID, not after COVID, during COVID, when we actually opened the doors again, guess what? People came back. It wasn't the numbers that I necessarily wanted. Of course, that's never about my numbers. 
But people came back. Why? Not just because they're like, well, I like the food. Well, we didn't have any food. There's no coffee. We haven't had coffee for a year. And so they kept coming back. (laughs) I know. (laughs) You know, so it's really a fascinating thing. Um, I can't remember if I told you this, but one guy says it's the miracle of the parking lot. A church builds a parking lot and they have the church there. And at eight o'clock, we have church at nine o'clock, eight o'clock. There's no cars. All of a sudden by 845, there's a bunch of cars. And it's, it's because of the gospel and the Holy Spirit that does this. I, and th- that's the part I think about rejoicing, too, is stuff that doesn't seem like it's going to work. It does. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is working in people's lives. And, and as we as we move further in this text, we, we'll see Paul make exactly that point, that, that, that the reason there are troubles and struggles is so you would realize that it is Christ who is at work and, and not you. Because unfortunately, when things go smoothly because we are sinners, we immediately start to take credit for it and think, uh, oh, yes. look what a good thing I did. So unfortunately, because of the nature of our flesh and the nature of the world we live in, there's going to be struggles and there's going to be trials. But that's what Paul says. I can rejoice in that. I'd say I'm jumping ahead because when you get to the end, Paul says, actually, the trials are a sign that you are God's child. (laughs) Ah, yes, he does. He does, yeah. That's that's future, future things. Uh, Can I just point out some (laughs) some things really quick about the language here, though, again, just just really fast. Well, for for one thing, the word deliverance there, this will turn out for my deliverance, is the classic word salvation. Soteria, uh, from which we get mm, saved mm-hmm. and Savior. Uh, and so I'm looking, well, what's the nuance of that? Because there are other words for deliverance. Uh, but the nuance for that fits Paul's situation perfectly, because the nuance of saved is that you're in dire straits. That That's, mm. that's the uh, sense of to be saved. There's something that's very, very dire, life-threatening. It's the word you use if you're on a ship and it's sinking, and all of a sudden a lifeboat comes and picks you up. See, that's the—and the, uh, oh. and that's where Paul's at. Paul doesn't—don't you think Paul figures he's going to die pretty quick? You think, Brady? I, you know, he's got to be. He's got to be realizing that the time can come at any moment. And so he's definitely speaking in language, as we hear a little bit later, language of, I'm here now, God has me here, but it could end at any moment. I mean, he's been saved many times, but he knows that it could be at any moment. Yeah, I think you're right. And and, and thank you for, he's been saved many times, right? Because Paul gives mm-hmm. us a list of the shipwrecks and the imprisonments. And there's been oh, yeah. any number of times he could have died and had his desire fulfilled. But no, in each case, he was saved. And just to note that, that's the sense of the word there. Because, see, that's a great comfort to us, because maybe somebody listening to us is in dire straits right now. Maybe right. somebody's wrestling with something. They say, I don't know how this is going to resolve. I don't know how it's going to be uh, taken care of. And, and so listen carefully to what Paul says. It will be. It will be. Uh, and, and as you pointed out before, Brady, I, I love that comment. It'll probably be some way that you never expected. You just would have mm-hmm. never thought of that as a possible solution. But that that's the promise. Uh, I, I also like this word eager expectation because yeah, it's actually yeah. a uh, it's it, it's if, if you read in the Greek, it, it literally means to stick your head out. And, and you've done that, haven't you? When you're trying to look for something, you're anticipating something. We, we kind of stick our head out and look, say, look around the corner. Uh, so I just thought that's a neat, that's a neat Greek word there. Uh, and the final word that's really neat there is the word with full courage, he says. That's yeah. actually a political word. That's a word mm. that means free speech. That's the word the Greeks would have used for our uh, right of free speech. And, and that, I think that's neat. Paul says, I, I, 
I, I can just tell you how this is. That's how. That's the courage I have from your prayers and from the Spirit and from Jesus Christ. Uh, and it's what you said before, Brady. I'm preaching the gospel. They're, they're, they may be preaching for the wrong reasons, but if you're preaching the gospel, something great's going to happen. It just has yeah. to happen because of of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. There's 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 this great you know great feeling of. Of, it's not adrenaline. I mean, there's a first, we go quick to adrenaline, not because we're overly caffeinated or what we are in our culture, but <laughs> there's there's this wonderful excitement that he has that clearly he can't be like jumping off the walls when he's in jail. Um, you know, no. he kind of had people coming and going there, but there's definitely this kind of, you know, extra pep in the step, if you will, as he writes this, as you hear these words, where he's kind of just, probably it was a, maybe a light bulb moment where he's like, listen, if I die or I live, I'm with Christ. And and right now there's fruit that's being bore. If if it, if it ends, well, it ends. Either way, I am I am I am in God's arms. I am in God's love. And and everything we use it, we say something along the lines of, well, it's gonna all work out in the end, which sometimes can be very poorly um interpreted and said. But yeah. that's kind of what he's saying. That's who I am. I am in Christ, and these are the things that have happened, and I'm writing this with great joy. I want to get on to these next verses, but last thoughts on that. Well, yeah, and I really I appreciate what you said there about the light bulb moment, because one of the problems is is there may be people hearing us and they're thinking, I'm not feeling that. I don't feel any right. desire to go home. I don't see that things are going to be resolved. Uh, and, and and see, that's the point. At, th- at this moment, Paul understands, and he says it so clearly, life or death. He's come to that understanding. It doesn't really matter. I can do either mm-hmm. one, and it's going to be okay. But But— I think we also need to appreciate that that Paul would tell you he didn't always feel that. You know, there are other mm-hmm. things that Paul writes where you can see that he was just kind of down and depressed. But but that's the great joy that Paul is bringing us here. Again, you can be down and depressed. You can be uh, bouncing off the walls, as you said, Brady. It doesn't make any difference because this is all in the Lord's hands. And, and, right. and, and it's going to be all right. It really is, whether you feel it or not. See, now we're back to the thing they taught us in the seminary, why feeling is not always a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But but if you're putting your faith in your feelings, and don't you think Paul is bending over backwards here to tell the Philippians, look, look, don't worry about what happens to me. Just know this. You are the Lord's children. And he's going to, he might take me home. And, and just trust me, that'll be a good thing. And I suspect that when we need to have that feeling, the Lord will give us that feeling. Uh, but we don't necessarily need to have it right here and now. Absolutely. And these powerful words, a deliverance, eager expectation, and whether it's life or death, he will not be ashamed whatsoever. Right now, it's time to take our break, though. We are, we're moving slowly through <laughs> Philippians chapter 1 with Pastor Jolly John Lukomsky, and we will be right back.
Concord Matters is the program where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, Christ-confessing Concordians read through and discuss the Book of Concord, which is our Lutheran confession of faith drawn from Holy Scripture, so that you too may be of one mind and confess with Christ. Be sure to listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on KFUO.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Touching the lives and the hearts of our listeners with the Word of Christ. Sharper iron is such an incredible, amazing gift. I thank you so much for what it's doing for me and what I know it must be doing for a lot of other people. God bless. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Worldwide KFUO. studying Philippians chapter 1 with Pastor John Lukomsky. And as we were looking at these words, Pastor, I have one question for you that really has nothing to do with the text, but it's kind of fun for me as one who loves St. Louis and look forward to the time I'm able to come back to St. Louis. I've been asking more local guys, what's your favorite restaurant in St. Louis? So, John, what is your favorite restaurant? So Stephanie actually forewarned me. <laughs> so so I'm going to say Ted Drew's. <laughs> oh, come on. What, do they, so, they no, serve do burgers we, now? We don't, we don't need the entrees. We don't need the salads. Jump right to the dessert. <laughs> oh, man. That is Eat anywhere stuff. you want to in St. Louis, but you need to go to Ted Drew's for dessert. <laughs> awesome. I have it written down, and it is official as the Jolly John endorsement. Very good. Okay. So... As we're looking at this, let's get into the the next two verses, uh, 21 to 22. And I do want you, our listeners, to think about um, why this is important. I mean, Pastor Pastor John did focus on why this is important, understanding the desire, but also to understand the reality of to be in Christ. You know, I've been crucified with Christ no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. How does this play out? And I think these verses definitely help us. In, in times of joy and in times of darkness. 21 through 22, and we'll keep plowing through. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which, shall I cho- which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I don't necessarily, necessarily want to stop there, but um, it is something I want us to think about today is, okay, so... How does this play out? Why is this important to know? If I live, I'm in Christ. If I die, there is gain. Why is this important, Pastor? Well, because, I mean, these are, these are the only two options you've got. <laughs> You're either going to be <laughs> living true. or dying. Right, uh, right. And as we've said, Paul is actually at that crux. And most of us don't think about that. Most of us just, we're, we're living. We're, we're not worried about dying. Uh, Paul is at a point, though, where this, this is a reality for him. Uh, I was at that point uh, a little over a year ago when I had my heart attack. And for the first time in my life, I actually had to think about death. 
Uh, mm. Which is why I said before, may, maybe you haven't had the kind of feelings that Paul have had here. And that's okay, because maybe at, at your situation, that's not necessary. But when you're confronted with that, when you realize that is a reality, where that could actually happen uh, at any day or any time, uh, then it is a great joy to know it really won't. It will make a tremendous difference. It'll make a mm. tremendous difference to everybody who's around me. Uh, and Paul's going to touch on that in just a moment for why he figures he'll stay around for a while. Uh, right. But but for us and our relationship to the Lord, no, uh, it, it, it'll be better. It, it really will be. And, and uh, Brady, you know, you've been pastor long enough that you've ministered to those people, these dear Christians who have reached their old age. And, and, and they would tell me, I'm ready to go, Pastor. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah. well, I'm not ready. <laughs> but good for you, because you're getting pretty close. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. Jerry, again, I referred to Jerry earlier, my father. He mm -hmm. said to us any number of times, he said, you know, whatever the Lord desires, that's fine with me. Uh, in fact, he lost his wife several years ago. I know he's lonely. He probably really is ready for the Lord to take him at any time. So it's just, like I said, maybe our listeners... They aren't at that point now. Maybe they don't need to be at that point. But it does come a time when we realize, yeah, uh, to live as Christ, to die is to gain. Yeah. Right. And and one of the things, you hear this often, and I, I, I never would have thought about before becoming a pastor and probably still don't fully understand it, but we were visiting a church once. And uh, one of the weekends, my wife and I got away and we're sitting in church and, and people are walking around and, and sitting in the pews and a few pews in front of us, this older gal comes up to this guy sitting alone and, and she goes, well, so good to have you here. He goes, yeah, I've been in the hospital two or three times in the last few weeks, haven't been able to come to church. And he goes, I don't know what's going on. And she says, well, we know that the Lord still wants you here. Ah, and I, yeah. you hear that a lot, but it, it doesn't really hit home until you read some of these words, because that's a faith statement right there, is to say, well, okay, God has us here. And if we die, well, we go to be with Jesus. Uh, and I don't want to say we win both ways, but we know that if we're here, that God's going to work through us. If we if we go, then we are with our Lord Jesus. And both are, are good things, positive things. These are, these are fruitful things that God is doing in our lives. And have you heard that quite a bit in, in ministry when yeah. people talk? Well, so, 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 so Jerry, the other thing Jerry says is <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. But Jerry says, I don't know why I'm here. He says right. that over and over again. And, and I keep thinking, well, Jerry, I know why you're here because we like you. We love you. Yeah, you're right. kind of fun to have around, <laughs> you know. And we're going to be incredibly sad when you're not here. Uh, so... Yeah, yeah. I, I do, before we leave this verse, I, I want to, this word choose, yet which I shall choose, didn't that kind of start? Because right. how would he choose? <laughs> you right, know? I know. He doesn't I know. know. Uh, so I, I I did a little look up on that, actually, when we took our break here just a moment ago. Oh, good. Uh, and, and I think the nuance of that word is prefer. And and, and okay. he's honestly said, I don't know which would be better. I don't know whether it's better to stay here or whether to leave. But I know I will prefer it. Whatever it happens, I will prefer that. And I thought that's kind of a nice way of looking at it. Uh, uh, trust me, when you die, you'll prefer that. You'll be glad that happened. You might right. not be glad that it's happening at this point, but when it's happened, you'll be, oh, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, and as you said, you know, you're ministering to people who are near the end. Um, and really, a lot of times those moments, they are ministering to you. 
because yeah. <laughs> you're talking yeah. to them and they're just like, well, you know, Lord, you know, pastor, I've had a guy do this. Uh, it just, well, my identity is in Christ. That's who I am. And you're like, well, that's uh, well, I'm done. Um, you just did everything I'm supposed <laughs> to be doing here. And so you, you thank God for the, as he says, that the help of the spirit of Jesus will turn for the deliverance, he says in these words. That is a Holy Spirit moment. That is a spirit of Jesus working in people's lives to show them where the true hope is. And that's what Paul says these words so well. And we see that at work in the church. How about we go to and, the next and, two verses? And now, now we're oh, back sorry, to the first going. verse, too. Well, oh. no, because <laughs> how many times have those older people said to you, and I'm praying for you, Pastor? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I always thought, well, that's why you're here, because most people aren't praying for me. They got other stuff to do. Oh, my gosh. So thank it, God there's somebody like you that has time to pray for me, because trust right. me, I need all the prayers I can get. Yeah. And I'll say this, and this is an encouragement for my li- our listeners as well, is a couple years ago, I went to my hometown. I grew up in Wadena, Minnesota, and my dad was a pastor there for 21 years. So I grew up. I mean, I was in the womb when I came, and I was in college when dad left. And and uh, and a couple years ago, I was in my hometown, went to a conference nearby, eating at the local pizza place, same place that I grew up with was there. And I walk in there, and a gal from the church I grew up at saw me and said, hey, come over here. And there's like 12 ladies sitting there eating lunch. I mean, from literally, I think 11 out of the 12 are ones I remember from growing up in this one wonderful congregation, St. John Lutheran Church. And I looked at that and they all asked me questions and what's going on and da, 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 da. And I remember I walked away and I thought to myself, um, and I've heard this from a number of these ladies, is like, those are the ladies that were praying for me the whole time I was growing up. And (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And it's just that manifestation of what God does through the through the people in our churches. So my encouragement for our, our for our listeners is pray for the young people in your church. Get the list. Take out the directory. Pray for the young people. Um, and maybe you already are. I mean, you pray for your pastor. Pray for the young people, whoever works in your church, because those prayers work. You know, and, and I feel the same way as, as my member said to me. I can feel their prayers and you can almost feel like, wow, these are the people who brought me to the feet of Jesus all of these years. And part of it is because they had the faith then and now that, you know what, if I'm living, I'm in Christ and fruitful labor, I'm going to pray. And if I die, I'll be with Jesus. Either way, it is a good deal. So that that is, you brought that to mind as you were talking as well. And, and Can we again, move on now? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Let's do it. 23 and 24, you can get to this thought. I just want to get to these verses because it connects with the other two. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Okay, what were your thoughts? Uh, well, again, uh, can, 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 go ahead. Do you, do you have something? I don't. I, I actually want to say what comes in the next verses. Oh my gosh! Now here. we got oh, okay. Yeah. All right, I have you yeah. tongue twisted. No, no. This is a good deal. This is a good deal. <laughs> okay, uh, he's he's hard pressed between the two, and I think this is a very real thing. Like you said about your father-in-law, why am I here? I don't understand what is the purpose of my presence to be here, and and that's a hard pressed thing that people will will experience in their lives because you say yes, it would be great to be with Jesus, it'd be great to be with the Lord, but yet God still has me here, and He gives a reason why He's still here. This is how He's seeing it at that point: um, is that it would be for fruitful fruitful labor for me. Um, on your account, He speaks here. So Paul is definitely seeing. 
his work as benefiting the Philippian church. And I was thinking about this too. This church is a young church. I mean, this is probably a 10-year-old church at the end of the day, mainly Gentiles. I was reading this morning. Um, this is a unique, uniquely different than Ephesus and Galatia as far as it's mainly Gentiles. And they're, they're dealing with a whole different ball of wax that he has. And so it's really an interesting thing that he's concerned about their spiritual care. He's concerned about their faith. And he has given them a very strong, well, much like when, when people near the end of their lives witness to us that if we're not, quote, near death, as we sometimes arrogantly think, that he's there, he's witnessing to them, this is what the Christian life looks like. I just found that interesting because we deal with this tension to be with Christ or to be here. Obviously, to be with Jesus is good, but to be here is, is, is um, something that we have to do for the sake of our neighbor. So, so, it's, so the question everyone always raises, uh, and usually they raise it as an attack on Christianity, is why is there so much suffering in the world? Right. Um, but I, I, but see, that's not the question. I can tell you why there's suffering in the world. Okay, number one, because uh, the devil is the prince of this world, so that's not going to be good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We mm-hmm. don't have a leader then that's trying to get things better. He's trying to make things worse. We live in a world that is totally corrupted by sin, so nothing works the way God made it originally. And then add to the fact that our own flesh is totally corrupted by sin. So rather than having proper desires, we do have lust. That's pretty much how we treat people. We, mm-hmm. we, we lust for them. We want them for what they'll do for us, not what we can do to love yeah. and care for them. So, so I'm, in fact, we'll see that in a few verses. Uh, Paul literally says, you shouldn't be surprised that there's troubles in the world. Why should that surprise right. you? But the right. question is, well, then why has the Lord left us here? Why has he not saved us, delivered us, as Paul talks about earlier? And Paul gives us the answer, because we got stuff to do. There are people right. that need our love and our care. And if we were taken out of here, we wouldn't be able to do that. And God will do that in time. When it's right, he will take us, he'll remove us. But there's a good reason why Paul is still here, because of the necessity and the needs of, of these people in Philippi, as well as who knows how many other people that Paul was ministering to. So please understand that. You know, Jerry asked that question, why am I still here? And the answer is, Jerry, because you've got people to love and care for, which you're doing. Mm-hmm. And there's also people who need to love and care for you. Right. Uh, that's the question, and that's the answer. Well, we do have a question here from James, and I wanted to cover that before we get to the next verses. Sure. Uh, first of all, he gives a very wonderful rejoicing over the truths that pastors speak, and he says an amen. And therefore, pastor, please help me to make the distinction between the truth needed to be saved and the insights for holy living so I can properly rejoice. So he's going back to the theme that we started with, which is rejoicing. So the distinction between the truths needed to be saved and the insights for holy living so I can properly rejoice. What are your, what are your thoughts on that question? Well, see, my, my, the, the, what came immediately to my mind, and again, that's, that might, it might be wrong. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> the stuff that comes immediately to mind is not necessarily right. So weigh this. But, but my, my first thought was it's just, it's, it's uh, two sides of the same coin. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we need to understand what kind of love God has for us. 
And it is a love that is a steadfast love. I love that term from the Old Testament. Uh, and it is a desire for us, even though there's no reason he should desire for us. And it is a commitment to us. And it is a thing of mercy. And it is a thing of forgiveness. And and when you've got that, then you just flip it and say, well, this is how we need to live our lives, as Paul will talk about here, about being a life that is worthy of the gospel. See, that's what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it, it It's comparable to the gospel. That's what the sense of the word worthy is. And, and so that's the answer, James. You understand better how God loves you, and then you will know how you should love your, your brother. And not only will you know it, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will do it. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, that, that would be my thought. Well, it goes back to I am the vine, you are the branches, fruit of the spirit that flows from us. You know, the righteousness on Panas goes and we serve in righteousness towards others. So, yeah, the truths needed to be saved. Well, obviously Christ, Christ and him crucified is what we need. And from there, not only does he lead us to that, but he gives us instructions. I mean, this is uh, what the epistles really are about. I mean, they're all over the place to show us this is godly living and this is ungodly living. Or as he says here that... um, um, see, God will be honored in my body. He speaks about that quite a bit in, in the epistles, just therefore honor God with your body. So he gives us instructions, shows us where it is and where we are to go. Let's, but it's important but, for us to understand because, see, the danger of our sinful flesh is we'll say, okay, yeah, Jesus, you've saved me. Now you give me the direction so how I can take it from here. Uh, and it's right. important for us to understand, no, there, there is only one salvation, and that is in Jesus Christ. There is no other deliverer. Uh, and, and, and through that, yes, you will, as Paul talks about, he'll exhort them to have this life that's worthy of the gospel. But I think that's the key phrase, worthy of the gospel. It doesn't come right. from anything else except from this faith and this love that we have in Jesus Christ. Like you said, he's the vine, we're the branches. And what did he say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's your key thing. You just got to strengthen that relationship with the Lord, or whether he strengthens it. And then right. it, it'll work out. It'll work out. And you'll fail, and you'll repent, and, and that'll make your relationship with others. Haven't you noticed the people that you love the most are the people that you've had to say, forgive me? You know, those are the people uh, we get really close to. Right, uh, uh, right. Yeah, well, anyway. Those, those are very helpful. Thank you, James, for your yeah. question. And thank you, yeah. John, for your insights there. Let's let's move on. Verses 25. And I think we'll go through 28 because I think these really work together very well. So 25 through 28 as we continue on. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or an absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign of them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Okay, he's convinced. What is he convinced of? Well, we, we need to talk about the word convinced, uh, because yeah. that that is in really a neat form, too. That's in what, what the Greeks call the perfect form. And again, we don't really have anything like this in English, because the perfect means something's happened, but, but what happens is still affecting us today. 
that the effect of that thing that happened is ongoing. And, and, and so Paul's told us the thing that's happened, faith in Jesus Christ. And I guess you could go all the way back to the fact that Jesus Christ came and suffered and died. And he particularly called out a man by the name of Saul that you would think, why would he want anything to do with a guy called Saul? Because he was persecuting uh, Jesus' people. Uh, and yet Jesus does and makes him. Uh, and, and and now as a result of that, of this knowledge of the love and forgiveness that Christ had for him, now he's convinced and it continues to affect him and it will continue to affect the, the, the people there in Philippi. And he's, he spells out what, what he's convinced of and what he, what he and again, he, he knows it's going to happen, not because of the people in Philippi, because the mm. people in Philippi are just like him. They're a bunch of sinners. But he is convinced because the people in the Philippi have the gospel, they have Jesus Christ, and, and as a result, uh, he's going to have ample cause to glory in Jesus Christ, and they will as well. Um, so, I, yeah, I think uh, everything that Paul does here is keeps pointing us back to Jesus, doesn't he, Brady? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and, and as soon as he gets the sense that maybe we're being led from Jesus right away, in the very next verse, he, he brings us right back to faith in Christ. Well, and I love it. Ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. I mean, this is something where um, we can have joy because why? Because of in Christ Jesus, you know, and and so when I when I come again, there's going to be joy, not just because, you know, whatever the food they're going to share. Or, like I said, the coffee in church is going to be. But we're able to come together and say we're coming in the name of Jesus. And that's what I I mean, I say one of the great joys for me during COVID and during our time right now, like on Sunday, we had we had a fair amount of people in church, a number of them uh, that that came through me doing weddings. I mean, it's one of those great. Yeah. This is truly the joy of the Lord that does this, because I tell you what. When I do weddings, I'm not always a happy camper um, in the midst of all the pr <laughs> procedures. And, and there's three couples in particular that were not members of the church when they asked me to do their wedding. And, of course, you know, I'm dragging my feet. I'm like, oh, you know, all this work and all that's going to happen is they're going to move and they're going to leave. And and then, you know, you just this is over the course of the last five years. But they're, they're, they, they're all here. I mean, they're not coming to church for any other reason than to hear the gospel. I mean, it's just amazing. And they're all here and they have some of them have kids and where they stood at the altar to get married, I baptized their children, and oh, it's just it's just wonderful stuff. I mean, so much joy that is there. Why is there so much joy? Not because I was very effective. I probably didn't do very good in the wedding at all, but they came because of Christ, and that is for us ample um, opportunity to have joy. And see, who would have expected that again? Is, is that, <laughs> was that your plan when you went into the ministry? I'm going to do a lot of weddings. Right. Oh, no. yeah. Can you imagine? Fact, oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, see, people don't, we don't really like to do weddings. <laughs> but that's okay. We, we're called to do that. And, and like that's you right. said, from the gospel then that they heard at that wedding ceremony, uh, the, the Spirit brought fruit. I, and yet in the midst of this, in the midst of this statement about his confidence, right? I'm right, convinced. Right. Uh, he has this word for your progress. And, and that's a neat word, your progress, because that's actually a nautical term that was used for when a ship is fighting the storm. Mm -hmm. So when a ship could move ahead in the midst of a storm, that was called 
progress. And, and so you've got that over and over again in here. That Paul's not painting us this kind of picture that you get from some of the, the uh, false brethren. Oh, you know, if you believe in Jesus Christ, your life will be just one joy after the other, right? Isn't that what Paul says? Rejoice. And, right. and that's not what Paul... No, no, if you're following Christ, your life is going to be one struggle after another. For one thing, because you're going to have your eyes open, and you're going to look around and say, oh my God, there's all these people that need my love. And I could just <laughs> I could just ignore them before, but now I can't ignore them. Darn you, Jesus. You know, uh, So, but, but I love that word there too. So he's convinced, even though there's going to be storms, and there's going to be winds that will hold us back, but there will still be progress. That's a beautiful nautical term. Yeah. That is a wonderful way of, of thinking about this. You did a lot of Greek study for this one. Well, I must confess to you, I actually did this text as a presentation for our Day of Spiritual Renewal in the district many years ago. Ah, <laughs> so okay. don't expect right. this every time. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I was impressed. You didn't look. need to say that. I would have been impressed. Anyway, I'm still impressed. So verse 27, he makes a transition, speaking about all this joy he has in the Lord. And he says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. I mean, this definitely leads into what James was asking us today. Um, yeah. So whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit. So it's an interesting connection there. He says, be worthy of the gospel of Christ and stand firm. I mean, it's, it seems like contradictory terms, right? Make sure you're doing something worthy, but also stand <laughs> in one place, one spirit, one mind. Well, how, do you, how do you break this down? Well, okay, this this has got a whole bunch of stuff, but but I just want to pick up on what you said because you get Jesus saying that all the time to just right. stand, and, and and I mean you you are absolutely right. That's such a key word because we think we got to be doing, and Jesus mm -hmm. says, well, really the best thing you can do is just remain where you are. And, and what do you mean by that? Well, the faith that we've been talking about, this love of God, this forgiveness of sins, you know that that's the best plan. Just stay there, and, and as we said to James, everything else will will work its way out, even despite your sinfulness. You'll find mm -hmm. yourself loving people that you never thought you could love, if you stand. If you stand. You go off someplace else, who knows what'll happen. Um, the thing that I think is cool here, though, this phrase, let your manner of life uh, and if you've got most English translations, you'll, you'll see a footnote there, because it's actually the Greek word for citizenship. Right. So he's okay, actually yep. saying, be the kind of citizens that would be comparable, that would match up with the gospel. And of course, relates to what he says later on in the text, when he says, uh, our citizenship is in heaven. And you'll get that in a couple of days, Philippians 3.20. Our citizenship mm -hmm. is in heaven, and we await a Savior, which is actually the word we had earlier that was translated deliverance, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so, yeah, so, so that's, this is how you get to live the life, James, of a Christian, you got to remember who you are. It's about right. faith. It's about right. believing you are a citizen of heaven by the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and then your life will be comparable, because that is the gospel, right? Is, Isn't that, that the is. gospel? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I think it's interesting. He doesn't say live a manner, live a citizenship that's worthy, because see, that takes you off to a different standard. Uh, that takes you off yeah. to the rules and ethics and whatever. Uh, but but the standard here is the gospel, uh, the love and, uh, and forgiveness of sins that you have. 
And, and I think that's a good segue for us to look at verses 29 through 30. We have about three minutes left here, and I okay. want to get to these verses. Yeah. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. A little bit of history there. You know, he was in jail, obviously in Philippi. He had the, the you know, got beaten by rods, put in jail. Now he's back in jail. And so he's definitely speaking language before this that you're like, how could he be rejoicing? And then he's kind of telling them, for the sake of Christ, you not only have the gift of faith, uh, the, the confessions talk about this in the free will. Um, it says the gift of faith has been given to you, but also to suffer. What does that mean? We have about two minutes to get this whole thing figured out, John. What do you got? Okay. So, so it's interesting that he says, don't be frightened. And, and the word there literally means don't be startled. So when you're okay. having troubles and you're having trials and you're facing persecution, that shouldn't shock you. No, no, that's a fact. That's a, Jesus said, take up your cross, okay? He wasn't kidding when he said that. He knew exactly what you will face as a Christian. But see, that's what Paul says. That's not a bad thing. Now, if you're a sinner, that's a bad thing because it means that God is punishing you. And of course, <laughs> as a sinner, our response should be to repent, lest right. the punishment be what it will be eternally in hell. But for Christians, no, we understand that the Lord disciplines those he loves. And so Paul mm. says for us, it's not a sign of destruction, but actually of our salvation. There's that soteria. There's that saving word again. Yeah, okay, and, yeah. and like you said, here's the crazy thing. It's actually from God. So, so the things that your flesh is saying, oh, that's bad, that's terrible, that's horrible. Paul says, no, no, that's actually a blessing of God. Uh, it may be a blessing because it's keeping you in the faith. It's keeping you trusting in the Lord rather than trusting in something else. It may be a blessing because it's an opportunity for you now to love and to serve and to show the same kind of kindness that God has for you to somebody else. Uh, but, but this much you know for sure, no, it's not It's not a sign of, of God's abandoning you, just the opposite. Uh, like you, and, and it's a strange thing to think that God has given us both Christ and suffering but that's what he's done. And, 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 and by the way, you're right to emphasize the grace part because the word granted there for it has been granted. That is the word for grace that's there. Ah. So the emphasis is this is a gift that God has given. I know we don't think of suffering as a gift, but it is. It is. And Paul invites us to, to see that uh, through, through Jesus Christ. I don't think you can see it apart from Christ. But through Christ, you can say, okay, this is God keeping me close to him. This is God giving me an opportunity to love as he has loved me. Pastor John Lekomsky is co-host of Wrestling with the Basics on here on KFUO, helping us today with Philippians chapter 1. Pastor Lekomsky, thank you for being our guest. Thank you, Braid. It's always fun. Saints of our Lord, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Either way, Christ has had the victory for you and our salvation is set by his blood. Let your life be worthy of the gospel and pray that God will be honored in your body. And all we can say to that is, Lord, help us every day and also amen. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. <laughs>